Amen. Is it good to be here in the house of God this morning? Are you glad you came this morning? Even when you woke up and it was like 16 degrees outside and you were thinking, I just want to stay under the cozy blankets. I'm glad I got up. I'm glad I'm here this morning. In fact, we got two ladies that are here this morning. Come on up. Natasha Graham, Bridget Troyer. Good morning. Come on up, ladies. You may have already seen these ladies this morning strategically walking around, passing out like stormtroopers on either one of my sides here. They have been passing out the missions conference uh, little brochure. And on the fact on the back is actually the conference schedule. And we have got an amazing weekend planned for you. I know Sarah Nishimoto has already been up here and talked about it a little bit. We saw a video about it. We even had an opportunity and chance. Uh, thank you, uh, Phil Mikesell, for bringing it to our attention and praying directly for missionaries and churches all around the world. Because you see, we're part of something bigger than just right here at Cable Alliance Church. We're part of something bigger than even a worldwide movement with the Christian Missionary Alliance as a movement. We're part of the kingdom of God, and we're about building his kingdom. And so this weekend, we're going to be celebrating the fact that God is building his kingdom worldwide, globally, and universally all over. I mean, it's like a Marvel comic movie, but real life. It's amazing, okay? Uh, but... Uh, Natasha and Bridget are both going to be here after the service. They're going to be strategically at one of the doors over here, and they're going to get you on the way out because we want to make sure that every single person has one of these cards in your hand when you leave because we don't want you to have missions conference come and go and be like, oh, I didn't know it was this weekend, or oh, I didn't know we were doing something Friday night and Saturday afternoon and Saturday night with the youth group. And Sunday morning early, we're doing a leadership breakfast with some of the elders and staff. And then Sunday, they were coming to speak. I wish I would have known I would have invited someone. If I knew you weren't going to speak, I would have brought someone. All right? We want you to know about that. And one of the things we want you to know about is the fact that this Monday afternoon, Monday morning, 11 o'clock, downtown Lima at the historical, newly renovated, uh, the Met building. How many, how many have been downtown to the Met and had lunch or dinner. Remember the old Nitzes building that was there on the corner across from the uh, courthouse? Many of you have been to the courthouse, I'm sure. I'm not going to ask why, but many of you have been there. Uh, an amazing luncheon is going to take place. Now, here's the thing. We only have room for 35 people. And you might say, well, that's a lot. It's not a lot. The room is small, but it is going to be amazing. A grunt, great luncheon is going to happen with Todd and Terry Althouse from uh, they're going to be talking about all their exciting things they've been, they're doing there in France in Bordeaux. Bordeaux? How do we say it? See? I'm just seeing if you're listening, and it worked, right? Bordeaux, whatever. Uh, in France, okay, at the Met. Those are two English words I can say. All right, at any rate, please buy a ticket. Let me, let me just pause there. I'm not trying to sell this like, hey, we got to sell this. But this is such an amazing opportunity don't miss it. It's $10. Buy a ticket. Show up this Saturday, 11 o'clock. You're going to enjoy the atmosphere. You're going to enjoy the meal. And more importantly, you're going to hear about what God is doing all over the country. So be looking for Miss Matasha and Miss uh, Bridget Troyer at the doors as you leave. They're going to have the cards. They'll be able to point in the right direction where to get these tickets at the kiosk. All right. So can you do that for me? All right. Praise God. All right. Have a seat, ladies. So this morning, we are talking about ghost stories. Ooh, ooh, so scary. 
If you've seen over here in the old uh, Lima Mall, the old Sears building that used to be there is now holiday or Halloween spirit store. You know what I'm talking about? Um, they've taken over the store. Uh, I think it's the Food Network is doing a Halloween baking challenge. I think it's like every Monday night. Halloween is a big deal. I think it's at Hallmark that's doing 31 days of Hallmark or of uh, Halloween movies of some sort. Halloween is a big deal. This time of year conjures up. Even the word conjures up is a spooky word. All right. Uh, when something strange is happening in your neighborhood, who are you going to call? Ghostbusters. Let me tell you something. When I was a kid growing up in 1984, when that movie first came out, if you went and seen Ghostbusters, you were in big trouble because that was demonic. It was of the devil, and it was a bad no-no movie, right? Now, I say in church, when there's something strange in your neighborhood, who are you going to call? Everybody says, Ghostbusters, right? Because it's woven into the fabric of our culture. It's amazing. They redid the movie in 2016 with a bunch of ladies. Not nearly as good with the guys. Sorry. No, I'm just kidding. Beetlejuice, Michael Keaton, the same guy that played Batman in 1988, played Beetlejuice, if you've seen that movie. Poltergeist. Remember Poltergeist? They're back. All right. 2000. Casper the Friendly Ghost. In 1995, remember Casper the Friendly Ghost? That was on VHS tape at our house, and our daughters watched it over and over and over and over again. Some of you might be looking down on these and say, oh, yeah, those are horrible movies. But what about Charles Dickens? A Christmas Carol, ghost of a Christmas past, ghost of the Christmas present, and ghost of Christmas future. It's a wonderful life. 1946, one of my favorite all-time movies. Forget Christmas, it's just one of my favorite all-time movies. George Bailey, Clarence, the angel, remember? I once heard my grandmother's voice way after she passed away. I maybe have shared this story, I won't go into the whole details of it, but enough to say that my wife and I and my family were at a a hotel in uh, Virginia Beach, and it was an outdoor hotel where, you know, all the balconies are outdoors and, the, and the, everything's outdoors, you know. And uh, the girls were down at the pool, and I was looking up 13 flights up, and I was at the balcony looking down at them at the pool, and the elevator that was always uh, coming, because there's no way I was walking down one flight of steps, much less 13. I was waiting on the elevator. It was a really slow elevator. It took forever to go up one floor. It was, it was ridiculous, all right? But not only did it take forever, but the thing is, the doors would open and close like a guillotine, and you had to get in. If you didn't see the door open, you missed it. You would have to wait. So I remember standing at the top of the balcony, looking down at my daughters, waiting and looking on my shoulder, waiting on the elevator door, kept going like this, and no, it wasn't open, and no, it wasn't open. I was going like this, and I just got lost watching my wife and kids play when they were very young at the pool, and I forgot about the elevator, but it was important that I got down there, right? And if I didn't pay attention, I was going to miss the door. And I remember sitting there, and I heard my grandmother, who passed away years and years before, I heard my grandmother's voice, clear as day, warm, welcoming, kind, loving, sweet, but firm. She said, Timothy. And it startled me, because no one was around. I heard, Timothy. It startled me. And I said, that's my grandmother's voice. So I turned around. As I turned around, the elevator door opened, and I got right in. 
Now, the rest of that story goes that as soon as I got down to the 13th floor, as soon as I walked out to, my, the, to the pool, my youngest daughter saw me, came running at me, slipped and fell on the pool deck and busted out her teeth. So it was important. It was there. I swooped her up in my arms. I ran up 13 floors, mind you. True story. Ran up all the stairs. Her in my arms, bleeding all over. I get her in there. She was bleeding so much. It was so tragic. The teeth were out. It was over. We were like, oh, my goodness, what has happened here? And I had to put her in the shower and clean her off. And when I did, the teeth were right back in her head. And she was fine. Now her teeth turned black for a while, but man, oh man, I'm telling you right now, as sure as I'm standing here, I heard my grandmother's voice say, Timothy, to grab my attention, to get my attention, to turn around just as the doors were opening so that I could get down third. And by the way, the elevator went straight down without stopping. I remember in the elevator going, this is weird. It opened. I thought I was on the 12th floor because it, you know, but I was right there. I heard my grandmother's voice as sure as I'm standing here. I tell you, that's the truth. I had the opportunity to pray over lots of businesses and anoint them. My home, my own home, the home that I now currently live in, there was a murder that took place in the home years before we purchased it. Man was shot and killed on purpose, murdered in that house. So you better believe when we went into that home, we prayed over it. We anointed every single square inch of that place, all the thresholds. There have been some of you at this church that have been with me when I've went to businesses and homes. Recently, well, in the last couple years, we had a family and I spoke with them. They're okay with me sharing this briefly. That we went to their home and prayed over their home because they said a ghost was haunting their house. That a ghost was peering in the windows and their son could see it, and it was scaring him. So we went and prayed over the entire property, all the rooms. The pro- we prayed over their pets. We prayed over everything. We anointed everything. The little boy would refer to the ghost as the man because the man would come visit him in his room and sit with him and talk with him, and it was scary for the little boy. Ghosts, are they real? There's power in the name of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you something, there's power in the name of Jesus Christ because of what he did on the cross and because of who he is. But there's a reason for that power. There's a reason that he needs to be powerful. Because the flip side of that coin is there's a powerful devil that's out there. But make no mistake about it, Jesus Christ holds the upper hand. He is way more powerful than the devil ever could be. The devil's not even omnipresent. He can't be all places at all times. He's not all-knowing. He doesn't know everything. But our Savior, Jesus Christ, is omnipresent. He can be at all places, all times. His omniscience, he knows all things in all ways, forever. There's power in Jesus Christ. If you've got your Bibles, open them up. We're going to be looking at a lot of the Word today. I'm going to tell you right now, I want you to look at the side of my Bible. If you can see them. You see all these pinks? That's all the scripture. I'm going to be using some scripture this morning. Amen? Because right here is the power. We're going to talk about ghost stories this morning. We're going to talk about some creepy, weird things this morning. I'm glad the kids, all the kids aren't in here this morning. They'd, they'd be crying when they left this morning. And somebody might be crying anyways, right? But the only way to combat the power of the devil is right here by the word of God. So for me to get up here and share with you one little token scripture would not be doing justice. I'd be doing you grave injustice. So if you've got your Bibles, open them up to Matthew chapter 14. Ghost stories. Are ghosts real? Do they exist? 
Matthew chapter 14. We're going to move quick because I've got a lot of verses to share. And I want to share with you right now on the onset, at the beginning of this service, that I'm going to invite you to accept Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior this morning. So prepare your hearts. Know that the Holy Spirit is working on you right now as I speak. At the end of the service, I'm going to ask you to come forward and kneel at this altar and receive Jesus Christ, to clothe yourself in His salvation, His righteousness, His holiness. Because there's a real devil out there and he seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. And I don't want you to be killed, destroyed, or, or, or completely devastated by his power that is residing in your life if you don't know Jesus. Some of you say, I've been walking with Jesus a long while. Have you been walking with him or running from him? Maybe you've been running from him. And let me tell you something. If you're not walking with him daily, then guess what you're doing? You're running from him. There's no standing still, sitting in neutral. I'm going to ask you to come forward and to rededicate your life if we want to use that old school term. Be ready. It's coming. But we're going to move quick through these scriptures. They're going to be on the, on the screen. They're going to be in front of you in the Bible and we're going to read. You can write them down and read them later if you don't catch it. Our ghost real Jesus came out walking on the water. It says this, Matthew chapter 14, verse 25 through 27. During the fourth watch, probably between 3 and 6 o'clock in the morning... Of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. Are ghosts real? The disciples surely thought they were. Because when they saw Jesus, they thought it was a ghost. You see, this isn't something new that Ghostbusters invented or Casper the Friendly Ghost invented. This is not something new that Charles Dickinson invented. This has been going on as long as there's been creation. Are ghosts real? The disciples certainly thought so. When they saw Jesus walking out of the water between 3 and 6 in the morning, they were scared to death. They were terrified. They cried out, it's a ghost. Verse 27. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. John chapter 20. If you've got your Bibles, flip back a couple books. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Flip to the Gospel of John chapter 20. If we're moving too fast for you, it's on the screen. Or you can just jot it down on your pew envelope. Don't act like you don't write on those pew envelopes of scrap paper. You know you do. Go ahead, it's okay. Write these verses down, take them home and study them later. John chapter 20, verses 19 and 20 says this. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together and the doors were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them. Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands inside, and the disciples were overjoyed that they had saw the Lord. Jesus just walked through the wall. One scripture verse we're reading, Jesus is walking on water. They thought it was a ghost. Jesus Christ is so powerful. The doors were locked. They were in that room. No one was getting in. No one was getting out. They were scared of what had just taken place. But Jesus just appeared in the room. And he had to show them his side. And his, you know why? Because they didn't believe it was him. So who'd they think it was? A ghost. Like something's not right here. No, people don't just walk through walls. And besides, we know, Jesus, you've been crucified. You're dead. It can't be you. 
He says, no, look at me. And by the way, he says, look at me physically. I'm not some, you know, CGI here, you know, some computer-generated image. I'm not some fuzzy thing. I'm real. You can touch me and feel me. Are ghosts real? What do you think? What do you think? Are ghosts real? Let's pray. I want to pray, and we're going to dive into this together. So, Father God, right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, as we dive into this over the next 10 or 15 minutes, Father God, bless us this morning. And know that no matter how powerful the dark side is and the devil and his minions are, you are infinitely and wonderfully more powerful in every way imaginable. To serve the devil is to serve a coward. But to serve you and to be at your throne is to serve the mightiest, strongest king there ever has been and ever will be. We love you, Jesus. In your name, amen. Truth be told, truth be told, most of us would admit that we love scary stories. We love it. We lean into them. I was telling you the story about how there was someone that said, please come pray for us. We're seeing a ghost look through the window of our home. Some of you lean into that. Ooh. Hmm. Truth be told, we love scary stories. Why is that? I don't know. Something in our DNA, something in our spirit just, just cries out, scare me. You know? Even the title, Ghost Stories, you're like, ooh. When you go home and tell your friends, they say, what did you guys talk about church? Well, we talked about ghost stories. Ooh. But what about the reports of real ghosts? Even by sincere Christians, truth be told, even sincere Christians want to believe in ghosts and want to talk about scary stories. Few Christians seem to know what to think about ghost stories. When I ask you, do you believe in ghosts? It's not a simple yes or no because then you start thinking, well, I don't believe in ghosts, but there was this one time that this thing happened. I'm telling you, there's no way to explain it. Do you believe in ghosts? Uh, Not really, but, you know, I do believe that this or... We don't really know what to think, but let me help you with that. We need to look to the scriptures to find the solid answer to ghost stories. And that's the only place we can look. Both kids and adults alike wonder about the existence of ghosts. Some totally and completely reject the notion and say, nope, no way, no how, there's no such thing as ghosts. Others insist that ghosts exist, and they start citing different experiences. They say, listen, I'm a believer in Jesus, hallelujah, amen. But let me tell you about this one time. And they start telling about this experience they had, or a friend of a friend's story, and they use that as proof. But what is a ghost? The most common idea is that ghosts are the disembodied spirits of dead people that linger around on the earth. According tradition, to tradition, ghosts are invisible. But they can sometimes, by I guess their own power, appear and show themselves to you. So when it comes to ghosts, let me put it to you this way. They either exist or they don't exist. No amount of belief will cause ghosts to exist if they don't. If I appear right now and tell you ghosts don't exist, no matter how much you believe it, if ghosts don't exist, then they don't exist no matter how much you try to believe it. 
And no amount of personal opinion or spooky stories cause ghosts not to exist if, in fact, they truly do exist. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Because a person's belief in ghosts creates very serious and far-reaching ramifications. It's a topic that Christians like us, those of you in a room right now that are believers in Jesus, we can't overlook it. Don't, don't tune me out and say, well, he's talking about ghost story. I wish he'd talk about something biblical. I wish he would talk about something that's not so, you know, pop culture reference right now because it's October. We're coming up on Halloween. I wish he wouldn't be talking about ghosts and these movies. Listen, if you don't get this answer right, then there's serious problems. It's important that we don't ignore this topic or write it off as some sort of silliness or buy into all the stories or all, the, all this foolishness. That we don't really get into shows. Now, forgive me, I'm stepping on toes, I know it, but there's TV shows out there. I'm thinking of one right now, I believe it's on the Travel Channel called Ghost Hunters. Where they attempt to investigate claims of ghosts using infrared cameras and other devices. Now, I could sit up here this morning and poke fun at them. Because they always say, we have evidence of a ghost. And they show a camera, all the lights are out, it's infrared. I'm like, why are you using an infrared camera? Just turn the lights on. And then they'll show something. Did you see that? The flag moved. That's proof. I'm like, no, the, heat, the air conditioning unit kicked on. Are you crazy? Like, I can sit and poke fun. But some people don't poke fun. They believe it. They're in it. And they use that as proof that, look, ghosts exist. A lot of times they'll go to a prison. They'll walk around a prison that's been shut down. And they'll say, at night, at 1 a.m., you can hear this prisoner, this, this inmate that was executed still roaming the halls. And listen, we've got... Listen, am I telling you it's all foolishness? Don't listen to me. Let's listen to the Word of God, yeah? Tricking ourselves into believing these things or these superstitions or other stories leaves us ignorant and unprepared for the devil's schemes because he's crafty. He seeks to kill, steal, and destroy Make no mistake about it. If we don't get this right, we're ignorant. We walk around just thinking, oh, it's all just fun and games. Good. That's what the devil wants you to think. He wants you to think it's just all fun and games and silliness. And then he pounces in and he just trips you up. And he devastates you. I want you to stick with me here, okay? Listen to me. I want you to stick with me here. It's going to be okay. Because I'm about to say something to you right now. It's going to hurt. I know it's going to hurt. I'm glad you're sitting down. Please don't stand up and leave as soon as I say this because it's going to hurt. But for you to imagine that your loved ones who have died and passed on somehow excuse themselves from the presence of God to come watch over you as, their, as your guardian angel is just flat out wrong. I'm sorry. I know that hurts. Listen, my dad passed away. My father-in-law passed away. My mother-in-law passed away. My grandmother, who I love and raised me and I hold so heavy in my heart, is the reason I'm the man I am today. All those loved ones have since passed on, but I'll tell you something. Not one of them is watching over me right now. I stopped with my brother yesterday at Menards, and we were talking about how my brother inherited all the tools that my dad left behind. And he said he was using one of dad's tools. I said, that's awesome. He goes, and I know dad's just looking down at me right now, and he's so happy. And I just said, yeah. But you know, the truth is, I said, no, he's not. 
to think that your loved one who knows Jesus Christ, their Lord and Savior, who has passed on and now in the presence of an holy God is somehow distracted by you minimizes the power of a presence of a holy God. To think that they're going to say, oh, God, just being in your presence is amazing. But can you hold on 10 minutes? I need to go check on somebody. Not happening. Stick with me, though, because I know this hurts. I know this hurts. Because those of you that have loved ones, wives, husbands, kids that have passed on, you want to believe with all your heart that they're watching over you, that they see you, that from time to time you go, I hope you see me, Grandma. Hey, Granny. Granny Bones, we called her Bones because she was so skinny. I take after her. <laughs> hey, Granny, look at me. I'm a pastor now. I'm the lead pastor at Cable Road Alliance Church. I've been here two years. I, I hope you're proud of me. I know you are. I know you're watching out over me. I know you're looking down on me and smiling at me right now. I'm only talking to you. Granny Bones isn't listening. She's in the presence of a holy God worshiping. I know that hurts, but there's hope. Stick with me. We'll talk about it in just a minute. No evidence has ever been produced that should give any believer any way of swaying into believing that the spirits of deceased people are loitering around the earth, just wandering around, spooking people and watching over them. There's just no evidence of it. Sorry, I don't see any evidence in here that says anything other than that. It's not personal opinion or a really convincing story that is our measuring stick. The only measuring stick we have is right here in the scriptures. And only the scriptures provide the answers that we need, not just that we want. Folks, let me tell you something, we need these answers. So in light of the Bible and Christ alone, the only conclusion is that ghost sightings are either one of two things. These ghost sightings, because I believe the people that say they believe it. Ghost sightings are one of two things. They're either a figment of people's overactive imaginations or else they're demonic spirits. Which one are they? You want to believe that these demonic spirits are somehow Casper the friendly ghost? You are ignorant and you're going to be deceived and the devil is going to pounce on you. And I don't want that to happen. In his book, Ron Rhodes, The Truth Behind Ghost Medium, Mediums and the Psychotic Phenomenon, he's a Christian author, he said this, people sometimes genuinely encounter a spirit entity, though not a dead human being. When we walked into that home to anoint it, the house, the window seals, make no mistake about it, what was there was not a ghost of someone who lived in that house once before and they've since wandered around and they have unfinished business. Make no mistake about it, what was there was a demonic spirit sent to terrorize the family. The reason I prayed over my home because there had been a murder and it wasn't because I believed the man that was murdered was somehow still wandering around my home. I prayed over it because I believe the demonic spirits may have attached themselves and said, oh, there was a murder here. We like it here. But why would demons deceive the living? 
You see, because sometimes these spirits actually do show up and they mimic dead people. They mimic dead people. They, they do this to deceive you. They do this to deceive you. Why do they want to deceive us by impersonating dead people? Maybe even impersonating your sweet old grandmother that you haven't seen in years, but you just know that you know that you know that you saw her the other day. I told you I heard my grandmother's voice. I'll get to that in a minute. Why do they want to deceive us? Because as servants of Satan and enemies of God, by the way, don't partner with an enemy of God. And when you partner with the devil, you're partnering with an enemy of God and you are on the wrong team. They have every reason to cast doubt on God's word and his warning of final judgment. They want to distract you of the final judgment that's coming one day. They want to pull you away and distract you from that. Getting people to believe in ghosts automatically forces Christians and really anyone to reject key Bible verses like Hebrews chapter 9. It's not going to be on the screen. Listen to this. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27. Just as people are destined to die once and after that they face final judgment. The devil wants you to believe that people die and then somehow they can continue to wander and have unfinished business that they can still finish while they're dead. Let me tell you something. You're born once, then you're born into the family of God, and you die. And I hope that's the way it is for you. Because if you're born once and then you're not born in the family of God and you die, that's it. You're done. Do you believe in ghosts? It's a huge question. It is a huge question. Coming to a wrong conclusion about the afterlife has eternal consequences. And the wrong choice on the side of this can condemn you to a life of agony. Tweet this or Facebook this. The afterlife without Jesus is not an after party. The afterlife without Jesus is not an after party. Some think they can live their whole life running from Jesus, don't have to accept him, die, and then they'll just be in this eternal bliss for whatever reason. They think, you know what, I don't... Yeah. Well, you better figure it out. The afterlife without Jesus is not an after party. It's called judgment and eternal punishment. I told you this is going to be a heavy message this morning. It's going to be okay, though. Stick with me. There's some hope coming. I promise. A couple questions I want to dive into. Can dead people haunt houses? Huge thing right now are haunted houses. Truth be told, a lot of Christians love to walk through haunted houses. Truth be told, a lot of churches actually will host haunted houses. And you think, no, what? When I grew up, there was a church in our town that thought it would be great to throw a harvest party and a, and a haunted house. And they did. And I'm not talking about some experience where you walk through and experience all these things and at the end you're confronted with two doors. Do you go through this door and accept Jesus or do you go through this door and accept judgment? Which one? I'm not talking about come to Jesus haunted. I'm talking about just straight up haunted. <laughs> Can dead people haunt houses? Answer, no. No. Dead people cannot haunt houses. Can demonic spirits? Yeah. We're talking about dead people though. Can dead people haunt houses? No. Job, Job chapter 7. 
Job chapter 7, verse 8 through 10. It'll be on the screen behind me, or you can write it down or flip to it. We're going to move quick. Job chapter 7, verses 8, 9, 10. Can dead people, people that are dead, they're gone. Can they somehow wander around your house and turn lights off and on? Answer is no. Job chapter 7, verse 8, 9, and 10. The eye that now sees me will see me no longer. You will look for me, but I will be no more. As a cloud vanishes and is gone, so he who goes down to the grave does not return. So if someone dies and they go in the grave, do they return? No. No. He will never come to his house again. His place will know him no more. So let me squash this for you right now. Do you feel like your house is haunted? It's not. Dead people don't haunt, or haunt your house. Now you may have some de- demonic stuff going on in which you need to call the elders and the pastors and the leaders and good God-fearing Christian Bible-believing Jesus-loving people into your house with some anointing oil and be doing some serious prayer over that house. But if you're just trying to cast out the dead guy that used to live there 50 years ago and trying to convince him not to turn on off and on lights, <laughs> you're spinning your wheels and wasting your time and the devil's deceiving you. Can the dead talk with the living? Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Can the dead talk to the living? My grandmother, I heard her voice. I heard her voice. I'm telling you. I know as sure as I'm standing here. I heard her voice. Timothy startled me. I turned around to see if she were standing there. And I saw the elevator and it opened. And I just went, huh, that's weird. And I got in and went down. Can the dead talk with the living? Answer, no. No. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 5 and 6. For the living know that they will die. Do you know? You're living. Do you know you're going to die one day? (laughs) But the dead know nothing. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no further reward, and even the memory of them is forgotten. Why do we seek the advice of a grandmother that passed away 50 years ago? She doesn't know anything. She's dead. I told you this is heavy this morning. Not a lot of laughters and cheers this morning. Verse 6. Their love, their hate, and their jealousy have long since vanished. Never again will they have a part in anything that happens under the sun. I say this when I speak at funerals. I say, listen... Your loved one has passed on. The pages of their life have been written and the book is closed. No more pages will ever be written. Don't try to pry it open and write another page that says, Grandma visited me today. That page has been written, period. Book has been closed. The hope is starting to come because your book is still open. 
Your book is still open and the pages are still being written. And your book, what will you write today? Will today be the day? I hope this morning is this morning that you write, yeah, it was kind of a longer service. There was a lot packed in there. But today I went to the altar and I received Christ as my Savior. Rededicated my life. I put away all these phony beliefs that, the, that, that somehow the, uh, these ghosts are tormenting me. I, I came to the realization that they're not ghosts, but the devil trying to kill and steal and destroy me. And so I rededicated my life. Is that what you're going to write this morning? Can dead people talk to living according to Ecclesiastes? No, they don't know anything. If people die with unfinished business, do they become ghosts and haunt the places and people that they knew in life? I've already answered this. The answer is no. Psalm 146, verse 4 in the ESV says this, When his breath departs, he returns to the earth, and on that very day his plans perish. How many of you know people that have died suddenly? They had plans, didn't they? Go see the Buckeyes play. Can't wait to see the Reds. Can't do that. I can't wait to order pizza. I'm going to go here. I'm going to go there. I can't wait to, you know what? I'm going to start planning for retirement. My wife and I are going on vacation. Man, like, I need to mow my yard. Boom, and something happens. They're done. Plans completely perish. On that moment, that day, that second, they're done. The wick is snuffed out. That's why you've got to be so sure of your afterlife. And not get caught up in all these ghost stories. Thinking that maybe somehow you might be one of those ghosts to get to wander around. Do good people become angels when they die? Do good people become angels when they die? Answer, no. Some of y'all are going to fight me later in the parking lot. <laughs> you haven't heard one yes yet. Do good people become angels when they die? Answer, no. God's angels are heavenly beings. Not your grandma with little wings. Certainly not naked babies. God's angels are heavenly beings, not spirits of dead humans. Angels have existed before humans were created. How do I know that? Because the word of God makes it, not because it's my opinion or my thoughts or I heard some really great story. I believe and stand on the word of God. Psalm 8, 4 and 5. What is man that you, Lord, are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit with him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels and you have crowned him with glory and honor. Good people don't become angels and watch over you. It's not true. So are ghosts real? Ghosts are not humans roaming the earth trying to remedy their unfinished business. They're either demons sent to confuse, torment, terrify, and deceive. Or these ghosts are actually angels sent to draw us closer to Jesus, offering hope and comfort and peace and good news. You see, that's to me the difference. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to 
persuade you to think that I'm something great, but I tell you, my spirit is real sensitive sometimes. And I can walk into someone's presence or someone's home and I can get a sense. Holy Spirit resides here. Yeah, I feel the anointing. My good friend, John, lives out of state. Gosh, I love this man with all my heart. He's like a big brother to me, except for I'm older. (laughs) Better looking too. But when I'm in his presence, I feel the Holy Spirit. I feel the anointing. Why? Because I feel the hope, comfort, peace. I know the good news resides in him. This morning I was over at Lyman Community Church in Nazarene with Pastor Peter or Pastor uh, uh, Doug Boquest. A group and I went over there and we prayed for, for, for Doug. Not because he needs it. Like, oh, so what's going on with, with Pastor Doug over Atlanta? Nothing. We just, it's like a gang. <laughs> These pastors and I, we get together and just, we do what we call random uh, drive-by prayers. And we just show up and we say, hey, buddy, we're here to pray for you. We're going to take 10 minutes, pray for you, anoint you, and we're out of here. We got, a, we got a job to get to, too. So I went over there and we prayed for him. And I'll tell you, when I was in their presence, when I was with Doug, Buck Sutton, and Damian Tibbs, and, and Nate Brenham, and, and I went around the room, all these pastors, when I was, and part of me was kind of like in the middle, and I just felt the anointing. I felt the Holy Spirit, not a ghost. Come on. I tell you what else, I, 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 I did not feel demonic spirits. They don't, they don't exist there. When the power of God shows up, they flee. They flee. Sometimes demons will impersonate the dead in an effort to deceive you. The devil knows that God's word accomplishes what it sets out to do. Just a few more verses, I promise, and we're going to close soon. Isaiah chapter 55. If you've got that, you can open up to it. It's also going to be on the screen. Isaiah 55, verse 10 and 11. This is what it says. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth. You see it returns. It's called evaporation, all that stuff. But you got to read the whole thing. It falls. It falls for a reason. And when it falls, it doesn't return back without watering the earth. Everything has a purpose. Without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. Verse 11. So is my word that goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire, God saying here through the prophet, and achieve the purpose for which I have sent. Nothing's going to stop me. I'm God. Bet me on that. That's God speaking. And the devil knows it, and he can't change it. He can't win that battle, so all he can do is try to deceive you into believing otherwise. So why is the devil trying so hard? Because he knows Isaiah chapter 55 is true and right. That when he starts something in you, he's going to finish it. So one of the devil's most effective strategies is to distract us, especially this time of year. From God's word by trying to distort God's word and trying to get you to conf- be confused about it and twisting in just a little bit of demonic spirits and ghosts along with your pumpkin holiday party to just distract you a little bit with a little bit of ghost stories and demonic spirits and ghosts and kill, steal, and destroy along with your nice little hayride. Just package it all together, nice little thing, and intertwine and all that is just such a mess of demonic, devilish turmoil. That's why we've got to get this right. 
The devil's trying hard, but make no mistake about it. Try as he might, he can't foolish, fool us. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 and 12 says this, talking about the armor of God. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers. It's powerful, this dark side. Against the powers of the dark side and the dark world that is against us in the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The devil tries hard, but he can't. If we stand firm, and we stand firm on the correct word of God, knowing what we know. Second Corinthians tells us that for Satan himself masquerades sometimes as an angel of light. It's not surprising then if his servants masquerade as the servants of the righteous. Their end will be what their actions deserve. In other words, there's times the devil will walk around, he personates even angels of light. So you've got to know what you know. Should we be afraid of ghosts? No. We have nothing to be afraid of. We have no reason to be afraid of Satan and his minions because we have the power of the Holy Spirit living with us. You might feel alone, but you're not alone. First John tells us the one that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. The book of James tells us, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee, to, flee you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. See, it's a two-part plan. You've got to resist the devil and draw near to God. You can't just resist the devil all day long and not draw near to God. You've got to resist the devil and draw near to God. Both, hand in hand, and he'll draw near to you. God's angels guide us and they protect us. They do not hurt us, play tricks on us, and they certainly don't lie to us. They tell us the truth. Sometimes the truth hurts, but it's the truth nonetheless. If we receive Jesus and obey him faithfully, even though we can't always obey, but that's what sanctification is for. That's what his righteousness is for. His that's why he's there to pick us up. But when we pursue Jesus, that's why our vision statement says to accept and passionately pursue Jesus. It's not just to get out of free jail, uh, get out of jail free card. We accept Jesus and move on. It's the Savior and Lord. If we receive Jesus and obey him faithfully, we don't need to be afraid of Satan's power. It's just that simple. I asked you earlier to stick with me. I said, I know it, this is going to hurt. When I said that your loved ones haven't stepped away from the presence of God to watch over you. But I want to tell you that nothing can separate you from God. Not even you. If you know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior... Listen to this. Lean into this. If you know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, and if the loved ones that have passed on, if they knew Jesus Christ, their Lord and Savior, you will be reunited with them again one day. So you better believe I'm going to see my granny bones. <laughs> Why do I cry all the time? It's true, though. I'm going to see granny bones again one day. And then I'll be able to tell her all about how I became a pastor. Paul wrote to his 
believers in Thessalonia about this very subject. Because he knew, he knew they were heartached, heartbroken over the fact that their loved ones passed on. And he says this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 16 through 18. It may be on the screen behind you. I gave the guys so many scripture verses, I can't, I've lost track of what I even told them to put in it. I share this one when I, when I speak at funerals as well. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16, 17, 18. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command. With a loud command. He's in charge. Not the devil, not these ghosts, not demonic spirits. God Almighty is in charge, and one day he himself, he's not going to send a surrogate or somebody else, he himself is going to come down. And with a loud command, with a voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. In other words, your loved ones who have passed on, who are dead in Christ, then they will rise. After that, we that are still here, us that are still alive, and are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Not spooky, scary stories. Not stories of ghost stories. With these words, that one day you're going to die. And if you know Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior, and your mom or dad or grandma, your husband, your kids, whomever, they know Jesus Christ, your Lord, you're going to be reunited with them one day and forever you will live with them. There are husbands and wives that have passed on, maybe 20, 30, 50 years in between. And guess what? They're reunited right now as we speak. Billy Joe's mom and dad both have passed on. And they're reunited right now in heaven together. How glorious is that? It says we'll be reunited, caught up with them. The them refers to the believing loved ones who are now in the presence of the Lord. I'll tell you this last thing. I believe that that was my grandmother's voice. But do I believe it was my grandmother? No. I believe that God Almighty used a voice that he knew would startle me and pull me back into a place of peace. If he had used my fifth grade science teacher's voice, who I was scared to death of that fifth grade science teacher, if he'd used his voice, it would have scared me. I probably would have never paid attention to anything. God knew that God said... If I use my voice, God's own voice, he's like, if I tell this kid to turn around and say, Timothy, it'll freak him out. Timothy! I mean, I don't know what God's voice sounds like, but I know what my grandmother's voice sounds like. It was always warm, beautiful, loving, kind, and firm, and I believe God was telling me, Tim, you better pay attention. That elevator door is going to open. You need to get your butt down there and get your daughter because her teeth done busted out. You're going to run up the steps, and you're about to see a miracle happen. And I don't want you to miss it. So Timothy, and I turned right around. If you don't know Jesus, there's still time this morning. If you don't know Jesus, there's still time this morning. Why? Because you're still living. You can start a relationship with him right here, right now. Because as long as you're still breathing, there's an opportunity. 
You got unfinished business? Finish it right now. Because there's no more chances after you die. You're not going to be able to wander around trying to finish your business. I shared with you out of the book of Ecclesiastes earlier. I want to share with you another verse from Ecclesiastes. I love this. Ecclesiastes 9. Anyone who is among the living has hope. Even a live dog is better off than a dead lion. Isn't that beautiful? Think of the power in those words. Even a live dog is better off than a dead lion. A lot of people roaming around here wishing they were a lion and actually wishing they would it'd be better off being a dead lion than a live dog. I'm telling you, no. As long as you're breathing, there's still time, there's still hope. Our hope is found in Christ alone. Yeah? Call out to him right now. I'm going to ask the band to come back up. And as they do, I want to share with you one last verse. And it's Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. It's going to be on the screen. It's in my word. And I could probably quote it off the top of my head. Many of you could too. Here's the thing. On my side of my Bible right here, I have all these pink little post-it notes for the scripture verse. The last one is yellow. Because that lets me know I'm done. But for some of you, it may just be beginning. Romans 10, verse 9, 10, and 11 says this. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And verse 11, I added this in there. Usually it's just verse 9 and 10 that people share, but I want to share this one with you as well. As the scriptures say, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. I want you to know this morning that Jesus loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. The devil hates you and he wants to destroy you by deceiving you into so many things. Would you stand with me? We're going to close in a song. And I want to encourage you during this song, I want you to come forward and kneel at the altar and cry out to him. And there'll be people that may want to pray with you and anoint you. Yes, I know it's after 12. I'm sorry. But some of you have some business you need to finish. Finish it right here, right now. And you don't need to have some long, drawn-out, 20-minute prayer. Just simply come forward and say, Jesus, forgive me. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord, and I believe in my heart that you were raised from the dead. And right there, you'll be saved. So, Father God, right now, I pray that as we close this very long service, they would give us just a few more moments of patience, that we wouldn't allow the devil to distract us, that we would put our faith in you and you alone. And we'd lie aside, lay aside all the silly foolishness of all these ghosts, all the stories of ghosts. They're not ghosts. They're either demonic spirits that have been sent to deceive us and trick us and draw us further and further away from you or they are your loving, wonderful, amazing angels that you've sent to draw us closer to you. Fill us with peace and hope that we might know your son, Jesus Christ. So, Father God, right now, pray an anointing over this space in this room and your people and ask that you would bring the harvest this harvest season.
the hearts and minds of the folks that are here. In Jesus' name, we love you.